Section One of the Begum's Fortune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kate Fallis. The Begum's Fortune by Jules Verne. Translated by William Henry Giles Kingston. Chapter One. Enter Mr. Sharp. "'Really, these English newspapers are very well written,' said the worthy doctor to himself, as he leaned back in a great leathern easy-chair. Dr. Saracen had all his life been given to soliloquizing, one of the many results of absence of mind. He was a man of fifty or thereabouts. His features were refined. Clear, lively eyes shone through his steel spectacles.' and the expression of his countenance, although grave, was genial. He was one of those people, looking at whom one says at the first glance, There is an honest man. Notwithstanding the early hour and the easy style of his dress, the doctor had already shaved and put on a white cravat. Scattered near him on the carpet and on sundry chairs, in the living-room of his hotel at Brighton, lay copies of the Times, the Daily Telegraph, and the Daily News. It was not much more than ten o'clock, yet the doctor had been out walking in the town, had visited an hospital, returned to his hotel, and read in the principal London journals the full report of a paper communicated by him two evenings previously, at a meeting of the great international hygienic conference on the Comte Globules du Sang, or blood corpuscle computator, an instrument he had invented, and which even in England keeps its French name. Before him stood a breakfast tray covered with a snowy napkin, on which were placed a well-dressed cutlet, a cup of hot and fragrant tea, and a plate of that buttered toast which English cooks, thanks to English bakers, can make to perfection. Yes, he repeated, these journals are really admirably well written. There is no denying the fact. Here is the speech of the President, the reply by Dr. Sicogna of Naples, my own paper in full, all as it were caught in the air, seized and photographed at once. Dr. Saracen of Douai rose and addressed the meeting. The honorable member spoke in French and said, My auditors will permit me to express myself in my own language, which I am sure they understand far better than I speak theirs. Five columns in small print. I cannot decide which reports best, the Times or the Telegraph. Each seems so exact and so precise. Dr. Saracen had reached this point in his meditations when one of the waiters of the establishment, a gentleman most correctly dressed in black, entered and presenting a card, inquired whether Monsieur was at home to a visitor. This appellation of Monsieur, the English consider it necessary to bestow indiscriminately on every Frenchman, in the same way they would think it a breach of all the rules of civility, did they fail to address an Italian as Signor, 
and a German as hair. Perhaps on the whole the custom is a good one. It certainly has the advantage of at once indicating nationalities. Considerably surprised to hear of a visitor in a country where he was acquainted with no one, the doctor took the card and read with increased perplexity the following address. Mr. Sharp, Solicitor, 93 Southampton Row, London. He knew that a solicitor meant what he should call an avoué, and signified a lawyer of the compound nature of attorney, procurator, and notary. What possible business can Mr. Sharp have with me? thought the doctor. Can I have got into some scrape or other without knowing it? Are you sure this card is intended for me? he asked. Oh, yes, monsieur. Well, let the gentleman come in. A youngish man entered the room, whom the doctor at once classed in the great family of death's heads. Thin dry lips, drawn back from long white teeth, hollow temple bones displayed beneath skin like parchment, the complexion of a mummy, and small gray eyes, as sharp as needles, quite justified the title. The rest of the skeleton, from the heels to the occiput, was hidden from view beneath an ulster of a large checker pattern. His hand grasped a patent leather bag. This personage entered, bowing in a hasty manner, placed bag and hat on the ground, took a chair without waiting to have one offered, and opened his business by saying, William Henry Sharp, junior of the firm of billows green sharp and co have i the honor of speaking to dr saracen yes sir francois saracen that certainly is my name of do i i reside at do i your father's name was isidore saracen it was so let us conclude him to have been isidore saracen mr sharp drew a notebook from his pocket consulted it, and resumed. Isidore Saracen died at Paris in 1857, 6th arrondissement, Rue de Rennes, number 54, the Hotel des Coles, now demolished. Perfectly correct, said the doctor, more and more astonished. But will you have the kindness to explain? His mother's name, pursued the imperturbable Mr. Sharp was julie langeville originally of bar le duc daughter of benedict langeville who lived in the alley l'oreal and died in eighteen twelve as is shown by the municipal registers of the said town these registers are a valuable institution sir highly valuable <clears throat> and sister of jean jacques langeville drum major in the thirty-sixth light i assure you interrupted Dr. Saracen, confounded by this intimate acquaintance with his genealogy, that you are better informed on these points than I am myself. It is true that my grandmother's family name was Langeville, and that is all I know about her. About the year 1807, she left the town of bar le duc with your grandfather, Jean Saracen, whom she had married in 1799, they settled at Malun, where he worked as a tinsmith, and where in 1811 
Julie Langevo, Saracen's wife, died, leaving only one child, Isidore Saracen, your father. From that time up to the date of his death discovered at Paris, the thread is lost. I can supply it, said the doctor, interested in spite of himself by this wonderful precision. My grandfather settled in Paris for the sake of the education of his son, whom he destined to the medical profession. He died in 1832 at Palaiso near Versailles, where my father practiced as a physician, and where I was born in 1822. You are my man, resumed Mr. Sharp. No brothers or sisters. None. I was the only son. My mother died two years after my birth. Now, sir, will you tell me? Mr. Sharp stood up. Raja Braya, Joahir Mathurananth, said he, pronouncing the names with the respect shown by every Englishman to a title. I am happy to have discovered you, and to be the first to congratulate you. The man is deranged, thought the doctor. It is not at all uncommon among these death's heads. The solicitor read this opinion in his eyes. I am not mad in the slightest degree, said he calmly. You are at the present moment the sole known heir to the title of Rajah, which Jean-Jacques Langeville, who became a naturalized British subject in 1819, succeeded to the property of his wife, the Begum Jocoul, and died in 1841, leaving only one son, an idiot, who died without issue in 1869, was allowed to assume by the governor-general of the province of Bengal. The value of the estate has risen during the last thirty years to about five millions of pounds sterling. It remained sequestered and under guardianship, almost the whole of the interest going to increase the capital during the life of the imbecile son of Jean-Jacques Langeville. In 1870, the value of the inheritance was given in round numbers to be 21 millions of pounds sterling, or 525 millions of francs. In fulfillment of an order of the law court of Agra, countersigned by that of Delhi, and confirmed by the Privy Council, the whole of the landed and personal property has been sold, and the sum realized has been placed in the Bank of England. The actual sum is 527 millions of francs, which you can withdraw by a check as soon as you have proved your genealogical identity in the Court of Chancery. And in the meantime, I am authorized by Messrs. Trollope, Smith & Co., bankers, to offer you advances to any amount. Dr. Saracen sat petrified. For some minutes he could not utter a word. Then, impressed by a conviction that this fine story was without any foundation in fact, he quietly said, "'After all, sir, where are the proofs of this?' And what way have you been led to find me out? The proofs are here, sir, replied Mr. Sharp, tapping on his shiny leather bag. As to how I discovered you, it has been in a very simple way. I have been searching for you for five years. It is the specialty of our firm to find heirs. 
for the numerous fortunes which year by year are left in a sheet in the british dominions for five years the question of the inheritance of the begum gogul has exercised all our ingenuity and activity we have made investigations in every direction passed in review hundreds of families of your name without finding that of isidore saracen i was almost convinced that there was not another of the name in all france when yesterday morning i read in the daily news a report of the meeting of the hygienic conference and observed that among the members was a dr saracen of whom i had never before heard referring instantly to my notes and to hundreds of papers on the subject of this estate i ascertained with surprise that the town of douai had entirely escaped our notice with the conviction that i had got you on the right scent i took the train for brighton saw you leave the meeting and all doubt vanished you are the living image of your great uncle langeville of whom we possess a photograph taken from a portrait by the indian painter saranoni mr sharp took a photograph from his pocket-book and handed it to dr saracen it represented a tall man with a magnificent beard a crested turban and a richly brocaded robe he was seated after the manner of conventional portraits of generals in the army appearing to be drawing up a plan of attack while attentively regarding the spectator in the background could be dimly discerned the smoke of battle and a charge of cavalry a glance at these papers will inform you on this matter better than i can do continued mr sharp i will leave them with you and return in a couple of hours if you will then permit me to take your orders so saying mr sharp drew from the depths of his glazed bag seven or eight bundles of documents some printed some manuscript placed them on the table and backed out of the room murmuring i have the honour to wish the rajah briah jawaher mathurananth a very good morning partly convinced partly ridiculing the idea the doctor took the papers and began to peruse them a rapid examination sufficed to show him the truth of mr sharp's statements and to remove his doubts among the printed documents he read the following evidence placed before the right honourable lords of her majesty's privy council on the fifth of january eighteen seventy touching the vacant succession of the begum gokul of raganara in bengal points of the case the question concerns the rights of possession to certain landed estates together with a variety of edifices palaces mercantile establishments villages personal properties treasure arms etc etc forming the inheritance of the begum gokul of raganara from the evidence submitted to the civil tribunal of agra and to the superior court at delhi it appears that in eighteen nineteen the begum gokul widow of rajah lakmiser and possessed in her own right of considerable wealth married a foreigner of french origin by name jean-jacques langeville this foreigner after serving until eighteen fifteen in the french army 
as drum major in the thirty-sixth light cavalry embarked at nantes upon the disbandment of the army of the law as supercargo of a merchant ship he reached calcutta passed into the interior and speedily obtained the appointment of military instructor in the small native army which the rajah lakmisser was authorized to maintain in this army he rose to be commander-in-chief and shortly after the rajah's death he obtained the hand of his widow in consideration of various important services rendered to the english residents at agra by jean jacques langeville he was constituted a british subject and the governor-general of bengal obtained for the husband of the begum the title of rajah of Briya joahir Mutharanath, which was the name of one of the most considerable of her estates the begum died in eighteen thirty nine leaving the whole of her wealth and property to langeville who survived her only two years their only child was imbecile from his infancy and was placed at once under guardians the inheritance was carefully managed by trustees until his death which occurred in eighteen sixty nine to this immense heritage there is no known heir the courts of agra and delhi having ordered its sale by auction on the application of the local government acting for the state we have the honour to request from the lords of the privy council a confirmation of their decision etc here followed the signatures copies of legal documents from agra and delhi deeds of sale an account of the efforts made in france to discover the next of kin to langeville's family and a whole mass of imposing evidence of the like nature left dr saracen no room for doubt or hesitation between him and the five hundred and twenty-seven millions of francs deposited in the strong rooms of the bank of england there was but a step the production of authentic certificates of certain births and deaths such a stroke of fortune being enough to dazzle the imagination of the most sober-minded man the good doctor could not contemplate it without some emotion yet it was of short duration and exhibited simply by a rapid walk for a few minutes up and down his apartment quickly recovering his self-possession he accused himself of weakness for yielding to this feverish agitation threw himself into his chair and remained for a time lost in profound reflection then suddenly rising he resumed his walk backwards and forwards while his eyes shone with a pure light as though a noble and generous project burned within his breast he seemed to welcome to caress to encourage and finally to adopt it a knock at the door mr sharp returned i ask pardon a thousand times for my doubts as to the correctness of your information said the doctor in a cordial tone you see me now perfectly convinced and extremely obliged to you for the trouble you have taken not at all mere matter of business in the way of my profession nothing more replied mr sharp may i venture to hope that the rajah will remain our client that is understood i place the whole affair in your hands 
i only beg you to desist from giving me that absurd title absurd a title worth twenty millions were the words mr sharp would have uttered had he known no better but he said certainly sir if you wish it as you please sir i am now going to return by train to london where i shall await your orders may i keep these documents inquired the doctor most assuredly we retain copies mr saracen was left alone he seated himself at his desk took out a sheet of paper and wrote as follows brighton twenty eighth october eighteen seventy one my dear child we have become possessed of an enormous fortune a fortune absurdly colossal do not fancy that i have lost my senses but read the printed papers enclosed in my letter you will there plainly see that i am proved to be the heir to a native title in india and a sum equivalent to many millions of francs actually deposited in the bank of england i can feel sure of the sentiments with which you my dear otto will receive this news you will perceive as i do myself the new duties which such wealth will impose upon us and the danger we are in of being tempted to use it unwisely it is but an hour since i was made aware of the fact and already the overpowering sense of responsibility seems to lessen the pleasure it first gave me as i thought of you this change may be fatal instead of fortunate to our destiny in the modest position of pioneers of science we were content and happy in obscurity shall we continue to be so i doubt it unless perhaps could i venture to mention an idea which has flashed across my brain unless the same fortune were to become in our hands a new and powerful engine of science a mighty tool in the great work of civilization and progress we will talk about this write to me let me know very soon what impression this wonderful news makes on your mind and let your mother hear it from you sensible woman as she is i am convinced she will receive it calmly as to your sister she is too young to have her head turned by anything of the sort besides that little head of hers is a very sober one and even if she could comprehend all that this change in our position implies i believe she would take it more quietly than any of us remember me cordially to max i connect him with all my schemes for the future your affectionate father francois saracen this letter with the more important papers was addressed to monsieur octave saracen student at the upper school of arts and manufactures thirty two rue de roy de cecile paris then the doctor put on his overcoat took his hat and went to the conference in a quarter of an hour the worthy man had forgotten all about his millions End of chapter 1